0: Welcome down to this week's episode of Paddy Talks Golf, powered by our friends in Four Golf Custom. So if you're looking for some tour-level experience in getting fit for your clubs, well, you know where to go. Link is in the show notes and on my socials below. Today's episode is with Bert McKay, General Manager at Castle Rock, and walks us through his career, life in Castle Rock. The five-year plans there and longer plans, and how Castle Rock has become a hub. For friendly, family focused championship of golf, it's one of North Ireland's best kept secrets. Don't tell anyone. Well, there won't be a secret for long more, I'd say. Um, I hope you like the old history, architecture lesson of Ross Lair. We're going to try and do it again for Castle Rock today. So let's get stuck in. May 4th, 1900, the idea of establishing that golf club was first made public. And the formal inauguration of the Nine Hole Course was in 1901, on June 22nd. A few short years passed. It was extended, and the 18-hole course was open for play in 1909. And it was the greenkeeper in Royal Port Rush, a foul by Mr. Gow, who made that proposal and oversaw the extension. The big news, I didn't know this. It was only after I played, 1929, Harry Colt came in to advise and made it the course we know today. So what do we know about Harry Colt? I did a bit of digging. And he felt courses should reside in the land as opposed to upon it. In the land, not on it. They should be part of the natural landscape. You can see that in Castle Rock. Artificiality and symmetrical hazards not nah, avoided. Greens are generally square or rectangular. That's a Mr. Called Hallmark. And um what else with are the area yeah, hollows. Wherever there was a hollow in the ground, that was used for part bunker. Rises were used to introduce banks. Um, smaller hazards with large draws into them were preferred over large wastes. So you see, of course, down in the states, they are large waste areas. Um, where else do we have yeah greens on court designs are often situated and you see this in Castle Rock on ridges plateaus punch bowls white hogs backs were considered to be the preferred choice for a green makes it quite difficult and you'll see that around Castle Rock what I found interesting um, in putting a green putting a green putting a golf course together were bunkers were built when green sites were constructed on court designs but fairy bunkers were introduced ideally after play of the course that one's interesting now so, if you want to learn more, it's a book I've added to my list. Harry Gordon is best known for his book, Some Essays on Golf Course Architecture. If I can find a link, I'll put it in the show notes. Also interesting, 2017 a course has been renovated by a fella who's renovated a lot of Irish links, Martin Hawtrey, renowned architect. And um, Bert also walks us through. There's a nine hole exciting course. Very exciting. I didn't get to play it, so a reason to go back to play the band, a nine hole course. They play skins there up in Castle Rock. On that course. But um yeah, I hope you enjoyed that little overview of design and act and something I'm looking to get a bit more into as well. So it's re- it's really nice to know why your green is on that ledge, like why is a hog pack used for a green, you know, when was that favorite bunker added during the design or afterwards? So um yeah, hallmarks of a Harry Colt design. Interesting to know. But now you came here maybe to learn about Castle Rock and not Mr. Colt. So let's get stuck in. Roll it there, Colette.
1: I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Joe Riley's all us the production line was finished in Kerry. Where's Joe Riley?
0: Bert, Aye, absolutely. Fantastic. Absolutely. Fantastic. I
1: don't quite know what you're wanting to do, but sure. Anything, <laughs>
0: anything, anything's, anything's no problem. Actually, you know me. It's just a just a, a how you chat, you know. It's like sitting down in the kitchen with a, with a cup of tea and a few biscuits and just have a chat <laughs> yeah, about I'm you forgetting. and have a chat about Castle Rock.
1: Dead So No
0: worries at all. Deadly. So, Bert Mackie, what, what's the official LinkedIn title that you have?
1: Oh, I am a general manager of Castle Rock.
0: General manager of Castle Rock. So for the outsiders looking in, what does a general manager do?
1: I'd like to say play a lot of golf, but that's not the case. Um, so we would look after the day-to-day business. So we look after all of the green staff. So we've got uh, 10 green staff here at the club that look after the two courses. We look after the bar, um, the office, the pro shop, uh, and then the marketing and day-to-day running of the club.
0: So it's not playing golf every day and answering a couple of emails.
1: I wish that was the case. <laughs> um, although I do I, look, I, in fairness, look, I do get out two or three times a week in, in the evening. I play nine holes quite a lot. I've got a young son, so he's mad keen on golf. So yeah, I mean, there's two or three loops of nine at five, six o'clock at night. So that kind of keeps me going.
0: No, oh, deadly, deadly. Bert, where where are you originally from?
1: So halfway between Perth and Inverness, small village Aberfeldy. Um, grew up there, played Taymouth Castle and Aberfeldy Golf Club, which would be about half an hour north of Glen Eagles.
0: Okay, And uh, I, I generally start these not with who are you and, and what's your LinkedIn name, but I generally ask, what what is your earliest memory of
1: golf? Earliest memory of golf? Going to that, I actually grew up uh, up to the age of kind of primary three in Edinburgh so I used to go to the driving range for my dad um, every Saturday and Sunday morning so that would have been the earliest memories um, along with, I suppose, Nick Faldo would have been the icon at, back in my day so um, yeah, that would, have, that would have been it going to a going to driving range slapping balls around and going to a putting green
0: Daddy, so what, what was it like growing up in that part of Scotland and the, the exposure to golf I suppose that you would have had as well
1: I was pretty lucky. You know, Perthshire uh, over in Scotland would be renowned for some great parkland courses. I mean, you have Blair Gowdy, uh, Teymouth Castle, Glen Eagles. I mean, you really have some iconic parkland golf. So we played a lot of golf. And then through the summer, the the, the county would have run events probably every second, third day. So, I, I mean, I literally went around Scotland twice through the summer um, playing golf. Um, I guess my... Only regret is that I didn't play a lot of links golf. Um, most of my stuff was parkland, so um, I was never really that great a links player. Um, and then coming over here, it was a bit of a shot to the system, having to keep the high balls low, so to speak, or
0: well, the low balls high, depending where the wind is. Um, <laughs> a couple of holes in Castle Rock, you need to hit them in high, um, as opposed to low. But um, so. Where was the compelling event as you grow up, as you got older, as you went through education, when you kind of turned to golf as a as a means, not a means to an end, I suppose, uh, yeah. but when it kind of got serious, either playing wise or you were like, you know what, there's a career here for me, and and was there a compelling yeah. event at the time?
1: Do you know what my my passion was rugby. It was not golf. Um, so growing up, I played rugby to a decent level. I mean, I had. I played with the Scotland team bits and pieces uh, was in the Scottish setup, and somebody stood on my shoulder and wrecked it um, but I was always playing golf so um, had aspirations of, of, of then ultimately but at the age of 15, 16 I'll, I'll become pro because I was playing off plus one, plus two of a handicap and um, didn't really work out. I mean, there was just so much good talent. Uh, I mean, when I was growing up, it was Mark Warren, Stephen O'Hara, Stephen Gallagher. I mean, they were all boys in and around my age um, that ultimately went on to the European Tour. I had the opportunity to go and work at Loch Lomond. Um, so did my training there. Um, played how years there? Sixteen years. Went there as assistant pro, became the tournament director, and then ultimately became head professional and director of golf. Um, so I was there for 16 years We so played again Parkland golf um, but it was stunning you know it was l- and we got to travel through the world running member events um, through the states, through Europe etc so yeah g- big exposure to golf um, and then that was the career path that I was always going to go down
0: that, that's um, it's a lovely journey you know, to to do your assistant in the same place and and then go up the ranks, you know, career wise up to director of golf. So, for any pros out there or or assistants, and they're like, "Geez, I don't know where I can end up." That that's really good to hear. Um, but what did that entail? Was there was there uh, extra activities? I mean, like, was there third party courses you had to do, or did Lock Gloom do a lot of that for you in terms of the enablement or the training? You know, so that you stepped up and you were ready for the role or preparation for 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 more. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: Kind of happened by chance. My parents owned a restaurant, and one of the actually, one of the founding members of Loch Lomond uh, used to eat in our restaurant, invited me to play golf. And we actually played with the director of golf, so you know, the job came around by chance. I didn't leave school with a lot of qualifications because I had no interest, I was more interested in sport. I, I ultimately ended up at Loch Lomond going to do an assistant pro uh, and go through the PGA, so went down to the Belfry, did my PGA as a long distance, um, passed that within, what, three years. And the problem is I'm standing there, 21-year-old, fully qualified, and, and my boss at the time was like, Bert, nobody will take you seriously until you're late 20s, early 30s, so you know, all we can advise you to do is do another couple of courses. So um, they actually put me through uh business management and marketing degrees through Glasgow University because it was only half an hour's drive from yeah. the golf club. Um, so, so ultimately, yeah, I mean, they, they, they kind of carved my path. So, you know, doing a business management degree, combined with golf, and then growing up in a hotel, had the food and beverage. So those are kind of the three elements that that, you know, ultimately I always wanted. Um, and that's what, kind of, I suppose, opened the door more for Castle Rockland anything because I had been exposed to um, those three elements that make up what I think a general manager needs.
0: Absolutely. So, so moving from we'll say the palatial, that might be the wrong word, but if when I look at pictures of Loch Lomond, it's palatial, it's perfect, it's pristine. Um, so, how did Castle Rock come about?
1: Yeah, look, Loch Lomond is palatial. I, as you see, I mean, it's another, uh, you know, it's another a manor style. Uh, facility where the golf course is manicured. It's high-end membership. So um, I, I w- got married when I was over in Scotland, had a young child. And then just because of the style of work and the, the fact that most of our members, I mean, there's 54 countries represented in the membership. So, you, um, I, you know, I worked... Five and a half, six days a week uh, and didn't really get to see the family that much. We had members that were members over here at Castle Rock and, and knew of the golf course. I mean, we played here against Ireland at Port Rush and we played our practice round the Castle Rock. So it wasn't a, an unfamiliar place. Okay. Um, and then had been over a few times, heard that the job had come up. And ultimately, it was just going to be a, a nice opportunity to go for.
0: Fantastic. So what? Wh- when did you start in Castle Rock, Bert?
1: Uh, back in 2014, I was to start, and the only reason I know the date so well, I was meant to start on May the May the first, 2014. Yeah. Um, but we moved over here. My wife was pregnant, and her due date was May the first. So I actually uh, started a couple of weeks early, and lo and behold, my daughter was born on May the first, my first day. So I actually missed my first day of work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> that's solid that's uh no but it's it's, it's a really good reason right um Castle rock two thousand fourteen to Castle rock twenty twenty one um if you knew then what you know now give yourself three give yourself three bits of advice
1: you know i, I think that, that we, as a golf club, were were almost like a sleeping giant. Is is maybe the only way to describe it. It was it was always going to be. It's a good golf course, but hadn't really established itself on the circuit. I mean, you you know, I know you've been up in and around, and everybody plays our glass rock kind down. Put rush, Port Stewart, Ballet Liffin, and they were always missing Castle Rock out. Um, so you know, I guess when we when I first came in, yes, we had to find my feet and understand what was happening, but. Um, really working with the tour operators. I mean, you know, this North Coast and all these courses that we're talking about, um, you know, roughly between 60 and 70% of the business is tour operator led, so um, you know, working with them very early on has established us as now, you know, one of those golf courses on that circuit, so to speak.
0: No, absolutely, and I mean, if it wasn't for, like, I did my little trip, you know, uh, that I organised myself, Um, but like, if I was to do that trip like even four years ago, I think I wouldn't have known about Castle Rock in terms of just like awareness, you know. So there's a lot, there's a lot of work done there because I'm from like the deep south of, of the Republic of Ireland, you know what I mean? So, um,
1: <laughs> but anyway, so it's getting there, but uh, you know, also, you know, the fact that, that you know, the golf club of year on year invested back into the golf course, you know, over the last since. 2016, we engaged with Martin Hotry, who has done, you know, so many. I, mean, I think he was involved in
0: the Martin involved in the, all the big, all yeah, the big
1: dogs. There, you yeah, I mean, yeah. he was involved in Turnbury, He was the R and E. Right hand man. So he was involved in St Andrews, some of the upgrades. So, you know, the, the, all of the major projects in and around the UK and Ireland, he, he's he's been involved in at some point. Um, so we engage with him. And it was initially because when we first when I first walked in there was the old style you know, whoever's captain likes a new tee and likes a new bunker and mm. wants to change a mole line and, and, and it was to get away from that and yeah,
0: we kind of have, have it where we are. We're like, oh, I'm the captain, or this committee, and we're like, there's a bunch of trees on the fourth that we can never drive past, over, or around. So let's just take them out. <laughs> or you <laughs> <do laughs> know what I mean? Or that bunk, Grandma's in, like Eisenhower's tree, at Augusta, that type of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Uh,
1: yeah, and, uh, and and that does happen. I think there's a lot of golf clubs will will fall under that bracket, and, that, and that's okay. But we wanted to take a more professional approach and say, right, if we're going to do any changes whatsoever. That it goes through one person and it stays within vision of an architect that's you know there's no point in the butcher the baker the candlestick maker trying to design a golf course because that's not what they're there for so um we bought into the IT and you know spent over a million pounds over you know four or five years um and we're not finished we still have some other bits and pieces that we still need to finish off on the blueprint but you know, for obvious reasons with COVID and bits and pieces, you know, that's been put on the back burner just now, but, you know, it's still there and we will get to it.
0: So how important, I'm going to take a step back now because it's kind of, it's interesting for me in terms of how things work and how to lay out a plan like that. So how do you step back from the day-to-day and the taking care of members and the pro shop and, and, you know, keeping things afloat to step back and create a strategic plan? How do you step back from the first place?
1: Make time for it, and for me, you know, and that's just the reality of it. We just have to make time to uh, sit back and 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 ultimately, we engage with Sol Construction. So Sol would have done, a, you know, a tremendous amount of work. They basically rebuilt Turnberry from scratch. Um, so you know, we spoke to them and, and and showed them, and it was probably over the course of maybe five, six, maybe even seven meetings of, look, this is where we are. This is where we want to get to. Let's try and break it and down into maybe four or five small chunks of, of manageable work so you know there's no point in turning around saying, you know well, we're going to do nine holes this winter they turn around and say well look realistically where it is logistically moving in and out the site um we could probably only do three so you know one phase could have, was only three or four holes another phase was six or seven holes
0: so, so you break it down, like like building a house or like a master's degree or like anything, you climb the mountain backwards, absolutely. So you, you stepped aside and with the club have a strategic plan for the course. Do you also have then a strategic plan for, you know, the sales of marketing and, and getting footfall there as well? I know you mentioned a couple of tour operators, but aside from just linking up for next year, do you have like a, a two-year plan? And, and how do you, how does a club even set aside the time and to focus on, you know? So like there's other clubs around yeah, Ireland they, and they're yeah, like, they, they mightn't be the Castle Rock um, and attract full yeah. fall, but might be able to step aside and say, well, what can we do for our local community or what can we do to attract more societies? Or, you know, how how do you go about that side of things?
1: Absolutely. I think every area of the business has to be split down into that, you know, where are we now and where do we want to get to? You know, we were at a point where, you know, we were doing, you know, just over 6,000 rounds golf back in 2014 of visitor rounds. And... Um, and the average spend ahead head was, was below £50. Pounds. Um, we're now doing four and a half to 5,000 rounds of golf, but the average spend is over £100. Pounds. So, you know, we've, we've reduced the traffic, we've, you know, improved the facilities, and that was part of our plan, you know, over a five-, six-year period to increase the green fees, you know, stop taking cheap societies, um, and actually add value to to what's been offered. So... Whether that's on the golf course you know the clubhouse itself has gone through some renovations um you know our next phase and and you know the only reason it wasn't done is because of covid is the locker room but you know we've done up the bar we've spent money in the kitchen we've spent money in you know carpets and bits and pieces so every year we would allocate um a house budget the same as we do a marketing budget the same as we do with greens um You know, we have a a machinery replacement program where every five years a machine is now turned around and and replaced. So all of that, you know, looking at the overall business from when we came in to where we are now, we now have something in place because, you know, back in 2014, we were working with machines that were 25 years old Mm. and spending as much keeping them going as they were worth. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, which is madness? You're just throwing money into bad. So,
0: uh, like you wouldn't do it for your car at home. Do you know what I mean? And uh, they're mean, they're the kind of the really silly, somewhat maybe simple analogies as I use sometimes. You know, like you wouldn't if you were driving a Lada and you had to spend thirty minutes every morning starting it up. You know what I mean? Or replacing parts. There becomes um, <laughs> you know, are you in negative or positive equity with this machine? You know?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that the realization is that you know golf clubs. I think back, you know, when I was growing up golf clubs were there and everybody was happy if they stayed afloat and they made a little bit of money and yeah. the problem is, you know, golf clubs now, especially links courses in Ireland, are are full out businesses and they have to be treated as a business. Um and each area of the business needs to be looked at. So um and I think that, you know, COVID is as devastating as it was for every business. I think everybody's probably learned more about the run-ins of their business because there's been less staff and you've had to be more hands-on in different areas.
0: Doing Um, more with less efficiency, productivity, all those things are kind of heightened now and you can do a lot more with maybe more focused time. People have had more time, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's the thing. I think the, the good businesses will come out of it a lot stronger.
0: Absolutely. So at the end of the day, you still have you know, a, a membership to take care of and while visitors are fantastic, and I grew up from a club who was always, you know, in, inundated with them, um, with green feeds. and like, the general understanding was, like, everyone's bought into the same idea that, you know, the Americans or the Asians or even if they're from the UK, you know, for, forget about the 800 years, right? But they're here and they're spending money and they're supporting local jobs, right? So every member, it was just in tune to how we engage with anybody in the club was. Everyone did their bit to make sure this person had a great day, had a great experience, you know, whether they're coming out of a van or they're coming out of a bus half locked from <laughs> from coming <laughs> off a plane, coming off a plane three hours earlier. You're like, welcome to Le Hinge. you know, so we're all like um, we're all like a tourist information going around the club, you know. So but that's based on decades of of, of Hinge being a destination for that type of visitor. Right. So. Given that Castle Rock may be going through a change in terms of, you know, perhaps being more focused on on football to generate that revenue for the club to support that local jobs, how does that, I suppose, communication and that culture, how are you addressing that, or how are you looking to build that type of culture in Castle Rock? Then,
1: yeah, I mean, I guess you know, as you see, local jobs. I mean, every one of our caddies is a member of the golf club, so. You know, straight off the bat, you have that local local knowledge. You have the local course knowledge. You have the, the you know, the local area knowledge, and they'll give you the, the you know the the restaurant to go to, the bar to go to, what's happening in the area. So I think that you know they have the buy in there. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, our subscriptions are very cheap. You know, for what we for what we offer here it's a twenty seven hole facility with golf three hundred and sixty five days of the year. Um, so it has to be subsidised partly by by visitors. So the members have bought into it in the main, um, that they will, you know, look after visitors, say hi to them, show them where they're going. If they're lost, going around the club, they still point them in the right direction. So in general, you know, the, the guys have bought into that fairly quickly. And I think that they enjoy seeing visitors enjoying the golf course.
0: I mean, I mean, who doesn't? You know what I mean? You want you want to show off what you're a part of, right? You know, like, I've only joined with um, the Club Over the Wall here at on with the year. And, like, and I want to shout it from the rooftops because, like, I know that it's it can be a part of the community. It can do so much good for not only the people who work there and the people who play there and the people who visit there, but also for, like, supporting the restaurants in town or supporting the car dealerships in town or whatever. Do you know what I mean? If even from an awareness point of view, you know, come up and park your your Renault dealership, car, or whoever owns the dealership, you know, park it there for a week, you know, so the people are aware that you're a local business, even. Do you know what I mean? Cause yeah.
1: yeah, we're very fortunate. There's a lot of local businesses in the, in the village here. and there'd be quite a few members, and, and visitors would, would come in, they would play their golf, have you know, have their lunch and then maybe have a wander in the village. uh You know, our train station's only a couple of hundred yards from the first tee, so we would get the odd visitor. that even hop on from. the
0: train? Is it on the fourth hole, the fifth hole? Oh, exactly. Jump up there.
1: <laughs> the train's certainly been here a few times for golf balls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I narrowly narrowly escaped. <laughs>
1: But um, yeah, so you you know the, the people that do come here because it's a small village and it's a small seaside town, they generally do go for a wander out the gates and have a wander around the village and uh, go to a local coffee shop or even go and see one of the blue flag beaches. Um, and then in this area here, you know, with the Game of Thrones being filmed, you know, the Musselton Temple, um, you know, there is a lot to see and do in this area as well.
0: Yeah, like I could have, like I spent think I spent maybe five and a half hours in Castle Rock and through further research and just even driving past them on my way in and my way out, I was like, oh, you could totally spend like two or three days here, you know, and, and, Absolutely. Up and, up then, and have the dinners and go up to the temple and take the pictures and, you know, enjoy a bit of quite family time and maybe sneak out for a round or two or maybe 27 holes um, <laughs> if you need that bit of a break. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And that, and that's the, that's the kind of beauty. I mean, you know, the amount of guys that will come, you know, at the weekends and, and like La Hinch and a number of those golf courses are busy at the weekends And so we do get a lot of people would come in, play nine holes on the band course, bowl of soup, few beers, and then tee off early afternoon on the mustering course. So I think it's a good combination. And then, you know, we'd even see guys that are through the week would come out, play the mustering course, have lunch. It's a nice day. They don't need to be anywhere for another four or five hours, so rather than sit and drink, they'll you know they'll take a buggy out and go and play a nine-hole scramble or I don't know alternate shot or, or just go out for a bit of fun around the band course. It takes like an hour, hour and fifteen minutes, and you can have as much fun out there as you want anywhere in the world.
0: Absolutely, and so, something that we spoke about was um, the not the secret skins game, but the skins game that you're on is it on Fridays? Military God Fridays.
1: Yeah, look. Like you know, we've done a number of, of bits and pieces. Again, you know, people don't have you know the historic six hours, four and a half, four. <laughs> I was going to say four and a half hours in a golf course, half an hour before, an hour after, and and, and the family and peace of life and and things are changing. So yeah, I mean, a Friday night, you know, we have um, mixed couples playing on the Mustang course. They generally play nine, nine holes, sometimes eighteen. And then come in for a bit of dinner as, as couples, um, and then also on a Friday night we also have a skins game on the band course where it's you know four or five players, um, in each tea time write up your skins and then come in for for beer and burgers or um, you know a curry or something, uh, and again you can do that you can be in and out in two hours, um, so can, that is the beauty for the guy that's working all week that wants to play a bit of golf but also needs to balance it with the family.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's the. I'm not going to say millennial, but it's the modern day we live in. Do you know what I mean? It's your working professional, possibly both parents are working. um, You know, so you you don't have five hours of a Sunday, you know. I never tee off even after 10 a.m. Because then, you know, even if it is four four hours, you know, that's most of the day gone. You know, I have a little daughter. I want to go see as well, you know. And um, those those times are precious, as you know yourself. Um, what, What does the next, let's say the next few months look like for Castle Rock and maybe the overall, you know, what would be a nice goal to achieve by the end of next year? Do you know, well, in the next few months, hopefully we're going to get some
1: subscriptions in because they've got to actually are, we're, <laughs> I'm sitting in the office here right now and all the bills are sitting in front of me. Um, so, yeah. so the next couple of months will be busy with that. Well, then, um, You know, we open our diaries two years in advance, so 2023 um, we'll be opening up in a couple of weeks' time. Um and we've got a backlog of, of people requesting T Times for twenty twenty three. Um so we'll work through them. Um uh, you know, try and maintain our year end is the end of September. So the next few months for us will be, you know, subscriptions in, year end, opening up new year's new T-sheets uh, and try and maintain and, and have a look at what's what's happening for next year I mean I guess you know we even talked about it you know nobody played golf in, really in 2020 visitor wise you know 2021 has been you know we're only going to get two maybe two and a half months out of it with the way the restrictions are going so you know 2022 has two years of bookings rolled into one plus anybody that was looking to travel in 2022 so uh, it's you know that's going to be a hard year for golf clubs uh, and for visitors coming to the island of Ireland because you've got three years worth of tea sheets and one. You've got hotels at capacity. You've got members that obviously still want their normal tea times. So I think it's going to be a big juggling act for next year. You know, I think if we could have a, a three years worth of travel um, and have a good run at the season, which which looks to be set up pretty well, then you know everybody's going to be happy.
0: Absolutely, And maintain the golf course to maintain. To, you know, as well along with that, if there's going to be that level of football, you know that that'll be a challenge as well.
1: It will be, you know, you know we we actually just through through lockdown, we actually, you know, we put some of our green staff onto furlough just to try and you know look after the the pennies. Um, at the same time, we also you know. Asked some of our members would they be willing to come out and paint tea markers? Would they be willing to sand down benches and, and paint them? And, and we actually got a really good response to the point where the volunteer program at any point in time had roughly 20 people on it. Um, so so they were knocking it.
0: Ki- that's, that's like a B Greenkeeper and staff.
1: Uh, yeah, it really was. And, and they were doing jobs because it allowed our Greenkeepers just to maintain the golf course the way we wanted it. This supplementary staff so to speak, um, cleared out so many jobs. that was great. We actually closed the golf course uh, last week, Wednesday morning, for all plays. So there was nobody on the golf course at all. We had the 20 guys. Yeah, it was actually 22. We had a couple of juniors on there as well. Went out and divoted the whole golf course in three hours, uh, all three loops of nine. Um, so from that point of view, it, it, you know, it's freeing up so many people. Um, so you know, we would we probably try and keep using them, uh, while we're still willing to do some of the, the, the lesser jobs to allow us to go out and you know, slip the fairways overseed, uh back end and front end of the season, uh and just some basic agronomical processes that need to be done, um, because it's freeing up up the guys to complete that job quicker as well.
0: No, I'm I'm getting a lesson here. I I'm, I'm soaking it in in terms of all the things we could we could be doing in, in our local clubs to help out, you know what I mean? and I'll start running off on solar runs now in a minute, so I better um better put some control of myself. Um i I've learned loads. I've learned loads in terms of for anybody listening, if I'm a pro or if I'm an aspiring pro or even if I'm if I think that a GM just plays golf all day, I know that there's um a level of education required. I know maybe some courses I can go check out to go do, um some expectations about running a course that is trying to raise its awareness and and get the word out there that hey we're here come play come come experience it. um so thank you very much Bert thank you very much um fire Q and A. You ready? These are the hardest questions now. These are the hardest mm. questions. Okay. You set
1: I'm all set. I'm good. Let's go for
0: it. What would your walk-on song be?
1: A oh, Rocky Balboa.
0: Jim or pizza? Pizza. Hat visor or a Keelan Rafferty bucket hat? A <laughs> visor. I'll send you one. Happy Gilmore or Tin Cup?
1: Happy Gilmore.
0: Le Hint or Port Parmarnek.
1: I wouldn't want to, you know. That's that's a secret. That's a secret one. I'll, I'll
0: rule a hinge. See, people get hung up on that question, and it's really my, it's, it's really my family way of saying, coachy or Tony," right? <laughs> <laughs> that's one so far west, and when it's open the big smoke, that's the real question there. Um, walk or cart? I'll
1: walk.
0: Win the Open or win the Masters? The
1: Open.
0: Instagram or Twitter? Instagram play or practice absolutely play or practice practice good man now I have just one more question just one more okay and it's kind of a scenario question so we'll say you're after you're after a day's work you're after taking a load of booking for 2023 you've won the skins game on the Friday yourself and you're planning dinner that evening and you can have whatever six people at the table with you so you're at the top of the table and you've three seats down the left empty three seats down the right who makes the cut who that Burt McKay's uh,
1: candlelit dinner well um, I would have Bill Murray uh, Billy Conley I think you have to have a golfer I'd say probably Jack Nicholas Um, i have to probably have to have my wife as well or she'd shoot me Um,
0: good that she came on fourth
1: (laughs) (laughs) That <laughs> <I> was, <gonna, laughs> was a high-scoring horse as well. <laughs> um, uh, Ali McCoist, he was oh, a boy yes. who's a hero of mine. Oh, yes. And I would have... The sixth one. Ian McGeechan. Ian Mageehan. Who's that? So he would have been the Scotland coach and the Lions coach.
0: Oh, I have you now. I have you now. Well, Bert, thank you very much. It's been really, really insightful for me. And I look forward to beating again soon, either on Castle Rock or you better you might come down for a return leg and down one. Absolutely,
1: super. Absolutely. Thanks for the time.
0: Thank you. Take it easy.
1: All the best. I take care.
0: Hope you enjoyed that episode. I'm loved playing there, uh, playing the cult design that it is, uh, very quality, uh, in fact. But loads of things going on up there. Incredibly friendly environment. Um, As I was teeing off uh, With Graham Curry, There was a hive of juniors Heading out um, And they were playing behind us And by God They were hitting it a lot closer than I was But um, Not the last you'll hear at Castle Rock That's for sure And I would say Ballpark Ballpark um, Location for an Irish Open You know it's 20 minutes from Port Rush Could be a nice supplement To British Open there Portrush, if there was an Irish Open venue up the track, literally up the track. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, let me know on the architecture piece, the history piece in in the intros, if you if you appreciate that, if you're interested, or will I knock it on the head? You know, and I can just keep it to myself and and keep it on my desk. But if it is something that you folks are interested in as well, I'll keep it going anytime we have a chat with a, with a golf course I'll, I'll dig into the, the history and the architecture and if that's something you want to know more about we can do it so yeah if you enjoyed the episode tell a friend where you're teeing off with today or tomorrow or this week maybe let them know you listen to this Irish golf podcast and they might like it too and uh, leave an old review if you can they do help Apple and Spotify do them you can leave a review on Google as well I think so I do that. Helps us out. And by helping us out, you help us get a bit more uh, you know, when I go out and approach to guests, I can say, look, it's you know, it's four point nine out of five on, on, on Apple and it's wherever on the charts. That's the only reason I'd be using those numbers is to get um, the the likes of Lowry or Seamus Sheamus or maybe even Rory. We'll see. But that's why I'm looking for the reviews and um and the stars and, and, and the mentions. So thank you all very much for press and play and enjoy your weekend. And we'll see you in same bat time, same bat channel, ten AM on a Saturday morning. Until we be teed up again soon. I'm Betty.